Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. We are coming to you live, recording this live on Thursday, May the 17th, 2012, from Bayside, New York, from Comac, New York, and not from Freehold, New Jersey, unfortunately. Tonight, we are sans the Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Our producer, our resident Bon Vivant, uh, is not going to join us for this episode, but that's okay. We will forge ahead we have got a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about sports for like the next hour and a half, two hours. We don't even know what's going to happen. Things could get crazy. We don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. This is uh, episode number 3.19, our 19th podcast episode of the year. And uh, we were off last week because I was away. I was in Tejas. I was square dancing while holding a gun uh, and eating barbecue. Any other, anything else? Any other cliches I can get in there? Wow. My in-laws love me. You're wearing a big hat? I was wearing a, <laughs> wearing a big cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And uh, I was a Republican. So uh, there he is, my co-host, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in this rhyme. Mr. Brian Calneva Calpino, the Cal in Cal and Sam Pete. Calvi. Hi, Cal. Hey, Steve. Hey, buddy, what'd you do with your off week? Boy, what didn't I do? Did you go mountain climbing? <laughs> I had a week to do whatever I wanted. It was great. What did you do last Thursday? Without having, just without having an answer to you. It's like, ah, he's out of town. I could do whatever I want. That's right. It was. Uh, did you do the risky business? Uh, I did. I actually, you know, I sat in your chair and pretended like I was hosting the show. <laughs> it was so fun. You didn't do that. I could just picture Cal like at nine thirty last Thursday night <laughs> in a uh, a pink dress shirt and his underwear, dun, 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 dun. Uh, sliding across the kitchen on but, Ubu by but himself. It, but it was the theme song. It was the ready to unload. Theme. Right. It was the ready to unload theme song <laughs> on Ubu by himself. By myself. We right. Just, just the wasn't camera. on the show. Didn't record it. You know. Um, I missed you. Yeah. This was. Uh, Let's not make it awkward. I just I missed you. Listen, it's not awkward, but we very rarely skip a week. You know, this is maybe one of a handful of times in three years. Yeah. Other than, of course, the arrival of your your beautiful son. Yes. Um, we usually, you know, we're we're like Iron Men. We forge ahead. We've done this show without voices. We've been sick. We've done it without producers. 
Usually we just barrel through, but last week we took a break. We took a we took a breath. We took a breath. You let's know, say that. You know, we took a little breath, a little. Uh, let's evaluate. Let's see where we are. Look, there's a lot of things that we want to do with this show, Cal. Okay, it's become a passion. It's become something that I look forward to with gusto and and uh, uh, longing every week. Not longing, but I, I look forward to it every week. It is a highlight of my week every week, just getting an hour and a half or two uh, hours to talk sports with uh, one of my best friends. It's become an institution, if you will. It's like Will Rogers right now in my house, okay? Okay. Let's, let's go for a reference from 1945. <laughs> Like that's a, like I out-referenced myself there. But no, it, this show has become a, a major part of my life, part of the fabric. You know it's a part of your life when the wife accepts it. Right. And and let me go a step farther. This would not be a part of our lives had they not accepted it. That's correct. <laughs> that's so correct. We're, we're lucky for that. But like, you know, Teresa even said to me last week because we were leaving for Texas on Thursday. And she said, well, what are you, you going to do the show? What are you guys going to do? You know, like... She knew we were leaving on a Thursday. It was a consideration. Right. I said, we're going to skip this week and we'll come back fresh next week. Oh, okay. Is that is that cool? I got it. Is that cool? Wow. I mean, how great is that? So, That's great. And we have plans for this show. You know, we, we I don't know what they are. You know, we wanted to work with SNY.TV. We may do that. We don't know. You know, and, and be on there. We've had a lot of their bloggers on. We listen to the Mostly Mets podcast. You know, we may do that. We could go. I have irons in the fire all over the place, Cal. Sports Nation. I got a guy now at Sports Nation. My buddy Sean. He just won an Emmy, his second Emmy, for uh, for production of. Uh, he produces their MLB stuff. He's he's talking to people. Wow. Our buddy Andrew Mark, who's called the show on occasion. He's our resident Ranger fan. I don't know if he can even call him the show right now. He's so. I mean, he's just he's in he's in the middle of it. He can't talk about the Rangers right now. He's too he's just too emotional. It's a little tough. But he's got the, he's working some irons for us, some fires, some iron fires, <laughs> some some iron and wines. Look, I th- I think I think basically what you're what you're getting to is that we're pretty major players right now, <laughs> and there's a lot going on, and and we're we're exploring our options. We certainly are. So yeah, we, uh, we certainly are, and and uh, I think that I think what what. <laughs> What Olsen Johnson is trying to say is that Van Johnson is right. <laughs> I agree with Howard Johnson. And what I'm trying to say is love is blind. Hey. I'm not a talker. I'm not a, I'm not a talker. <laughs> Look, so so we took a week off. We did. We're we, re- back. we recharged. Yep. And we're back, and there's a lot. There is a... They like, you know, some people like to call it an S-ton of stuff going on. That's right. It is not after 10. We will not use that kind of language. No, no, no. We do not work blue on this show. Let's do this. Let's play this, Cal, and then we'll get to the big unload, okay? I don't know what this is. Uh, PJ, you are seriously, man, in a league of one. You are the best. You get it done so efficiently, quickly, and such a high standard, my man. You are my hero. Jim Nance, CBS Sports, thank you. So, of course, we play that uh, because we are without our producer uh, for this episode of Ready to Unload, the, po- uh, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, unable to join us, working on some show somewhere in the annals, the annals, no, where where do we want to put him? Well, I think the annals is where we want to That's put him. That's correct. 
Let's just put them there. You know what? Let's let's get rid of the A N words altogether and put them in the halls. Somewhere in the Good halls idea. of the headquarters of IMG, he is working on producing some show. Who knows? Uh, you know, uh, puppies have babies. I don't know. It's some reality show. The 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 housewives of New Jersey slash the housewives of the metro area. How's that? Uh, well, here's what we know. It's not this show that he's producing. No. He's producing something else. Desperate Housewives of, might of the Greater Metropolitan Avenue uh, area. <laughs> How come they haven't done that? That would be New York, Pennsylvania, and Connecticut. Uh, New Jersey. Or New Jersey, I should say. Right. Pennsylvania. New no. York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Right. The tri-state area. It's your greater tri-state area. Yeah. Easy for me to say. Anyway. Pete Don't you remember your, your, your tri-state Oldsmobile dealer? I do. <laughs> your good old guys. Your good old guys. At the good olds, good olds got do do da. Right, and they scrolled through hundreds of of car salesmen. Hundred, I mean, just <laughs> that's right. it's just a never-ending stream of them. Although at the time I was ten, so it might have only been like thirty that they kept rotating in and out. But it sure seemed like a lot, and it seemed impressive. Like, oh, there's his name. Ooh, wow. That, when I get older, I'm going to get an Oldsmobile. <laughs> and you know what? I did. <laughs> that's correct. I did have an Oldsmobile. What was your first car? My first car was a... Uh... Wait, 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 wait. Let me see if I remember. I don't think you're going to remember it. Oh, sure. You won't remember it. I have visions of Dan in a, in a uh, like a New Yorker. In a Dan had a New Yorker. Yorker. Yes. You did not, though. You had a... Uh... Or a LeBaron. No, he, he was definitely a New Yorker. I had a LeBaron. Oh, you had the LeBaron. But my Le- I, well, I didn't have the cool convertible LeBaron. I had the, no, no. I had the cop car LeBaron. It was definitely a hard top. Yeah, that had no. It was. It looked like a squad car. It looked like a. Uh, it was a like an '81 Chrysler LeBaron. Right. So not the cool LeBaron with the convertible and the whole thing. It was before they went with the remodel, so it looked like a squad car. And I used to pull up behind people like doing 70 at night, uh-huh. and, they, and they would all slow down. And let me pass. That's how much it looked like a squad car. Car had one speaker, Cal. Oh, boy. Mono. It it had one speaker, and it wasn't even in the uh, the, uh, dash anymore. It was on the seat. On the bench seat between me and my horrified passenger. (laughs) Whoever that may have been at the time. Very easy to pick up girls with that car. I think it was was $400. Think. I think it was four hundred dollars. What was your first car? I forget. It was it was a uh, it was a cream colored Thunderbird. <laughs> I, re- I remember this. That I car was eight hundred dollars. That no, that car was the money, my friend. And that was yeah. Um, it was cream colored. Everyone liked to make fun of it and say that it was yellow. It wasn't yellow. It wasn't a taxi. It wasn't a banana that I was driving around. It was a Thunderbird, and it was cream-colored. Off-white. Yes. It's uh, your first car. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your dad, I want to say, I remember tooling around in either a Regal. Did he have like a a, a, a copper re, uh, Buick Regal? No. It would, no, it was an Oldsmobile. It was an Oldsmobile. It was a copper Oldsmobile. Copper Oldsmobile. Yes. I just right. remember your dad with the arm out the window. Right. He always had the tan on his left elbow. Always. The left arm, but like like he was signaling for a left turn. Right. That's how he drove. Always. That's how he still drives. And he's got long arms. His wingspan is kind of wide. 
he's uh, he's a lot like Quentin Copels. He's got big <laughs> he's got big wingspan. He's like JPP. Yeah, yeah, he's a freak. My dad. He's an <laughs> athletic freak. Well, anyway, I remember your first car. Anyway, long story short, too late. Let's get to the big unload then. While we're talking about first cars. Let's, because what you're going to say has a lot to do with first cars. This is a great segue. It does. Yep. I have decided that uh, every week the Big Unload will be brought to you by Big Hunter. Why wouldn't it be? Playing their hit songs in a big country. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> does it does it not occur to you to name the band something different or the song something something different? Uh, this is a classic rock and roll chicken or the egg question. <laughs> what came first? What, what I came was, first? Right? Did they write the song and say, we need a band name, let's be big country? We got a great song, but we need a band name. I think, I really, the band name had to come first. Has to. Let's write a song about uh, our name, about <laughs> us. And that's, that's what they came up with. It's a, but, you know, it worked. It was a great song. We have to figure out at some point if those guys were uh, like British or from New Zealand, or they, yeah, they were. Um, they had. I think they were from New. Like I think they were from, from New Auckland, Zealand, maybe from Auckland. Yeah. I think so, because that affects how we uh, put them in the studio when they're making that song. <laughs> it really does. It becomes a very difficult dialect to do. If Scottish. Be, oh, they were Scottish, of course. Duh. I know. That's what the song is about. In a big country. Right. Being Scottish. in Scotland. Right. So, no, of course that's our name. There you go. All right. There like, the, is. like the Scots Lawn commercial. That's right. My buddy's in that commercial. I know. You were telling me. And now every time I see it, I, I, I gravitate right to him. My buddy Hutch is in that commercial. Rich Hutchman, I love you. Uh, he's the non-Scottish uh, Scottish looking guy. Right. That was very confusing casting. Because Hutch looks Scottish. Like, he's got red hair and, like, a red beard and stuff like that, and he's standing next to the Scots guy, and I'm like, well, who's the Scot here? I think these things. It's a little backwards. You know what I'm not thinking about? No. What? Buying lawn care products. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm not thinking about when I watch that commercial. I'm thinking about why did they hire a guy who looks Scottish to stand next to the Scottish guy? I, you remember that it was Scots, though, so it worked. That's true. Of course I do. You know, I've got a great idea for a song, Brian, but involves our name. <laughs> now, we're big country. Let's write a song called In a Big Country. Everybody will remember us forever. Especially when they go roller skating. <laughs> or are at a sweet 16. Uh, okay. Anyway. That was good. Thank you been working on it thanks thanks very much uh the big unload cal holy mackerel so listen we're going to talk about the rangers later on in the show the great series with the devils that they have going we have to talk about that bri because you committed what i consider a rtu sin 
I can't believe for a second that you were rooting for the Rangers over the Capitals. And you're going to you're going to regret it, Brian, when they are playing for the Stanley Cup and we have to listen to these oh, people. You're going to regret it. Uh, dang it. Uh, well, up before we get to the big unload, Cal, uh the bishop I will exp- the bishop has stopped by. Wow. Yep. He is We're never going to talk sports tonight. <laughs> let's let's bring him in. I think we only have a few seconds with him. He even cut off his theme music. That's how wow. little time we have with him. Here he in- is. Instant cameo. Instant, instant impression of himself. Waka waka! Hi, everybody. Fozzie Bear, really? Fozzie Bear. I have been watching the Muppet movie, the new Muppet, you know, with with uh, with my son, and it's yeah, what a great movie. We talked about we that talked about ago. Yeah. 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 What have you been do? What did you do on the off night last week? <laughs> on your summer what vacation. Was that, <laughs> was, that th- was that Thursday? Yeah, last <laughs> Thursday a- night at nine thirty. What that- were you doing? If that was a Thursday night, then uh, I was working on uh, one of three new pilots. Oh, did you tell? For, for the upcoming uh, television year. Can you? Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a Thursday night was a pilot for the E Network. Something they commissioned, but they not are not necessarily buying a lot of it. Um. And it's, that still exists, the E Network. I know. Stop it now. No, I'm being serious. Some of us live on nickels and dimes. And the E Network is those are those people. Is the nickels? Yeah, right. they're still looking for the dimes. I was being complete. Cal, do you know where the E Network is on your uh, channel guide? I don't know where the E Network is, but I know where the E Network is. <laughs> That's, I'm familiar with that one. That's how they answer their phone. Thank you for calling. Right. That's uh, somewhere very, in the two somewhere in the two forties on my on my network. They're very excited. Okay, so you're working on a pilot for E. E. It's got an exclamation e. point. That's how you. <laughs> it fo- it follows uh, a a Russian family and uh, the the exploits of the children who run the family's chain of restaurants. Throughout uh, New York, sold the five boroughs. I, I want to be in the Russian family who runs a restaurant business with you. Business. We got green lights. We, we got we got some beautiful uh, beautiful ladies on the show who run the restaurants, but they can't find a husband. Wah, wah, wah. And the the son who uh, has found love and is uh, is about to get married to someone who is not Russian. Uh oh. And. Wah, wah. The uh, the nosy sisters are taking over the plans to the wedding. Oh, PJ enter the ex- the eccentric father, the patriarch, the guy who collects knives and guns. It's great. Is this a scripted show or is it reality? Yes. Oh, one of those. <laughs> and by the way, it's collecting of- knives and guns guns doesn't make you eccentric. <laughs> there's a, there's another it's- word for that. His dangerous. gun rack is his his gun rack is actually covered in the pelt of some African antelope. I'm really glad That's you ended that with antelope. <laughs> antelope. 
Really glad antelope was the last word in that sentence. Otherwise, that really would be eccentric. Yes. Uh, okay, that sounds like a hit. Let's run with that. Next. Could be. Could be. Next, yeah. we've talked about the, poop, the poopy show from Animal Planet. Correct. All right. Uh, just started working on the new season of Beer Money. Oh, look at that. With our old friend. Uh, well, no, Dan's made an exit from the show. Probably wisely. Uh, um, Dan, Dan's doing his own thing elsewhere. Yes, we're, um, we're referring to our buddy Dan Shackner, who used to host uh, Beer Money, hosted it for a season, and of course was a guest on the uh, on the Unload. So there's yeah, a I new, believe this uh, year we're, we're going with uh, with a new host and new hostess of, yeah. of Beer Money. Okay. And the, the, uh, you know uh, they they turn over staff more frequently than Menudo. <laughs> yeah, that's because Beer Money actually re- refers to the salary we all get on staff. Right. You you don't get a check. They pay you in beer. Who's the? Uh, have they decided to shoot that show in HD yet? Yes. Yeah. Right. HD doesn't HD doesn't mean a thing when you're uh, under an awning with fluorescent lighting at midnight. <laughs> it's, there's no way to make that look any better. Right. Yeah, but but it, but then you don't have to see the distracting SNY logo in half of the screen when you're watching it. Well, sure. no, that that's gonna stay when it gets lettered. <laughs> no, when it gets letterboxed. Yeah. The new host, I can't I can't think of his name, but he's he's the co host of um that metal show on VH one. Really? Um not not Jim Florentine, the other guy with the mutton chops. I can't, I can't think of his name right now. Um but he's very good. He's cr- uh cross platforming, huh? Yes. Wow. Maybe we should get him yeah. up. maybe you should tell him you're the producer of a hit podcast. Is that Eddie yeah, Trunk? Yeah, I've mentioned that around here. Um, it's, uh, it's being bandied about. You know, a lot of people are talking. Uh, the look people at, look talking? Look at what uh, Pop Culture PJ is doing. They call me Pop Culture PJ over here now. Excellent. Well, I wrote a hit yeah. play and directed it, so I'm not sweating it either. You're not sweating it either. <laughs> These are OR scrubs. <laughs> oh, are they? <laughs> um, well, it sounds like you've got a full plate over there at IMG, so that's what you were doing last week while Cal was enacting risky business at 9.30. Not just a full plate, a full cafeteria tray we got going on there. It's, com- it's compartmentalized. There's cream corn. Tater tots. Thank you. Speaking of tater tots, guys, I went to a restaurant uh, with Teresa in Austin. Uh, we went out to dinner. We left the little guy with the in-laws or whatever, and we actually had a nice night out in downtown Austin or whatever. And not even whatever. We actually did it. And um, <laughs> we went to this new this new place in downtown Austin called Swift's Attic, which basically was picked up out of Williamsburg and placed on San Jacinto <laughs> in the middle of downtown Austin. It was, it was like all the hipsters without the pretension. It was kind of nice. Uh, so, and we had this tater tot dish, guys. It was like, this was like a, a small plates menu that they do. Uh huh. And now because I watch Top Chef, I eat like when we have meals like that, we are actually like judging like we're on Top Chef. <laughs> so like the, like the runner comes over and this is uh, what we have here is tater tots with some ham hocks and then I've thrown in and this was one of those places that is doing all sorts of funky things. So I think at some point I said to Teresa, I, I, I said the words flavor profile. I may have said layers of flavor. I may have said, uh, I, I, you know, gastro and uh, gastro something. I may have used the word gastro. Micro gastronomy. Micro gastronomy. That's right. 
the Wiley Dufresne <laughs> stuff, right? And uh, we we totally eat meals now, like we're judges on Top Chef. We're like, I really like what they did. But tater tots, guys, with ham hocks and like uh, cheddar cheese, <laughs> like melted in. Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal. You, you heard are, about the hipster who burned her mouth on the pizza, right? No. She wanted to be done with it before anybody else thought it was cool. Hey-o! Hey-o! Come on, people! Uh, I stole that joke from Mark Marin. Yes, you did. I, see, I knew the answer to that joke. Cause he said it on WTF. <laughs> but I yeah. was going to let you do it. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. I've, been a, I've been a little bit addicted to that, you know. What do you? I, I know. I got. I got him hooked, Cal. You did. Got him hooked on uh, WTF. Did you listen to the Stephen Merchant one, Peach? No, not that. that Got to be next. Okay. Today's was. Uh, today's was uh, Danny McBride. Very from good. From the uh, from Eastbound and Down. Yeah, I'm about halfway okay. through it, Cal. Uh, unbelievable. Danny McBride. Really? Newfound respect. Oh, he's, he's ter- oh, he's always been terrific. I've always no, liked no, him. no. He's always been very funny, but like, I sort of thought he'd be like a jerk. I don't know why. Uh-huh. And he's not at all. Well, that's jerk star called, and Danny wasn't there. Exactly. That's exactly right. They weren't <laughs> all out of him. He's not their bestseller. <laughs> uh, all right, Peach. We're going to go talk about the sports stuff. All right, and I apologize uh, hugely for not being able to attend tonight. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit um, overwhelmed here. So uh, I'm, I'm going to put all of the, these TV shows to bed, and then I'm going to uh, rejoin the program as soon as I can. Awesome. Well, hopefully you can make it in for the fun load, because we're going to talk about uh, NHL playoff beards. I'm going to try. And we're also going to oh, talk NHL. about... I'm working on two NHL shows uh, simultaneously. Wow. What are they? <laughs> Um, uh, we're doing the prep work for the Coach of the Year special. Did you know there was a Coach of the Year special? <laughs> no. No. All right. Well, guess what, guys? It's coming. I and do know what the Coach of the Year for. award is. Steve, do you know what the Coach of the Year award is? I was just about to say, Cal, that it's probably, probably because it's hockey, it probably has some, like, really obscure name from, like, a coach from, like, 1907. Some Canadian guy, like the Jack Adams Award or something like that. It's exact. That's exactly what it is. No, Jack is it really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a shot in the dark. So you're working on the Jack Adams Award special. That is correct. We're doing we're doing some um, biography, um, you know, little seven minute biography pieces. All right, and uh, what's the uh, other one? On these, uh, and then there's a, a one hour Stanley Cup special coming up. Nice. Um, and uh, I'll be on top of that, too. Is that going to be on the NBC uh, Sports Network, Peach? You know what? I, uh, it, that one feels like a big network one. I'm, I'm not sure who's picking it up. Well, the Stanley um, Cup, Cal, is going to be on NBC proper, right? I believe so, yeah, because all NBC has the exclusive contract with the NHL. Right, so that's yeah. going to be on NBC proper. So that's probably what that's for, Pidge. That's cool, and I was going to put my name in the credits as Bishop. So oh, you oh, you have to. You absolutely yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> Bishop. Bishop. It's going to say audio and video mastering, and it's just going to say Bishop. Not even not even pop folks. No no last name or anything. Just right. Bishop. Bishop. I love not, it. Not even yeah. the Bishop. No no. No no. 
That well, if it's the bishop, then we become the uh, the Monty Python sketch, right? Right. It's a, it's a Terry Jones sketch. Right. <laughs> we was too late. The bishop. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll talk to you later, Peach. Come back for the fun load. I love you both, boys. I'll see you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Uh, so PJ will join us later. Cal, fun load. I was thinking uh, the NHL playoff beards. Is there a better superstition? And then the uh, the uh, Matthew Perry, the upfronts were last week, and Matthew Perry is starring in a new sitcom where he plays a sports broadcaster, like a talk show, sports talk show host. Right. So I, we, we have to talk about this. Uh, okay, so big unload. Here it is coming to you now live. Ready to unload. Episode 3.19. I got into it today with the guys at work. Cal. And, and this this was a conversation that was going on away from me about the NBA. As I've said before, we have some gr- I have some of the guys I work with are great NBA fans, right? Right. So my one boy, Jacob slash Eusebio, depends on what we're feeling. Sometimes we call him Jacob, sometimes we call him Eusebio. He that's how he rolls. Okay. Very cool guy. Great uh basketball fan. Big time Lakers fan. Been a Lakers fan since he was a little guy. Right? So he's no Fairweather fan or whatever. He knows basketball real well. Okay. And he and I always get into it. Now, you know I'm not a big Knicks fan. No. But he and I always get into it because the Knicks fans, there there are a lot of idiotic Knicks fans. So they give him grief. Oh, the Knicks are going to do this. And he just says, you know, you haven't won anything in 40 years. Be quiet, right? So today he's going on again about the Knicks. And the Knicks fans, and they can't shut up, and blah, 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 blah. Because they, the Knicks fans, were giving him grief about the Lakers blowing that, what was it, a seven-point lead with two minutes to go and being down 2 nothing in that series. So Knicks fans were giving him grief, right, about that game, and rightfully so, right? So his, his uh, response to that is, you can't say anything to me because you're a Knicks fan. Your team hasn't won in 40 years, so you can't say anything to me about a terrible loss because of who you root for. I root for the Lakers. My team is far superior to your team. More championships, more recent championships, better now. So therefore, you're not allowed to comment on my team. So I I held up the stop sign right there in the office. (laughs) I said I have a I have a problem with this because this is a mentality that exists uh, to me with fans of teams that are fabled uh, the Yankees the Lakers uh, even the Giants uh, the Steelers uh, in football the, the big teams they're immediate reaction to any criticism of their team is to put down your team. So later on in the day, Cal, (laughs) the Lakers come up again with another guy that I work with, Marcus, also great sports fan. Mm -hmm. This guy is from New York. He's a Patriots, Lakers, not really a Reds. He's not really a baseball fan, but Patriots and Lakers, big time. Is he a better fan than Eusebio? It's tough. They're they're both great fans. Okay. But they're, but they're both big Laker fans. And he did. They were. Uh, he was engaged in a conversation about 
uh, the Lakers game last night, and somebody was giving him crap. And one of our our buddies on the show, Howie, another guy in my office, Hammer, who's called here, called in a couple weeks ago about the Jets. He's a big Nick fan. He chimed in and said, yeah, the Lakers suck. You know, like joking around. Like they're going to lose that series. And Marcus's first reaction was to say, well, your team sucks. You can't even say anything to me. You're a Nick fan. You can't say anything to, about, to me about the series or my team or anything. You're a Nick fan. You don't get to talk. Again, I held up the stop sign. Cal. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like that. Wait a minute. It was very similar to that. Yeah. Can you can you do that again with a little more Fonzarelli? With Fonzarelli. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shortcake. <laughs> Twinkle toes. That was a little Tony Danza. That was a little Tony Danza. Whoa, 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 Samantha. <laughs> Jonathan. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jonathan, hold on there for a minute. Mono, you be quiet. I'm surprised at you. Um, so I said, seriously, I said, you're, 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 and, and then I will let you take this over because I really have to get your opinion on this. But we've dealt with it a lot with Yankee fans. We've dealt with it some of the Giant fans. We've dealt with it with Ranger fans. We've dealt, we've dealt with it with Ranger fans. And, and, and Howie was relaying a similar story once we got into talking about this. Mm-hmm. Howie, Howie, a Big Islander fan as well, was relaying a similar story when he said to, Another guy in our office who's a big Ranger fan, he said, you know, I don't think the, the Rangers are going to win the series. I think it's going to be a real tough series to win. What are the Islanders doing? Right. What's his response? Yeah, and I could not get these guys to understand what I was saying. And what I was saying was a defense of a criticism of your team that involves my team is immaterial. It, 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 it is not a defense at all. You know what I mean? In other words, I'm saying that your team stinks right now. Your defense is, well, your team stinks. Well, I didn't say anything about my team. If you want to talk about the team that I root for, we can. But what I'm saying to you now is your team is not doing well or your team is not going to win this series. Right. And it's almost as if, as we've talked about before, there is like an entitlement there. And I said it to uh, Jacob slash Eusebio today. I said you chose. I didn't see you make any jump shots. <laughs> you don't play. You didn't win anything. I said you chose the Lakers when you were a little kid. You chose to root for the Lakers, and I chose to root for the Knicks. Probably because I'm from New York, and so are you. Um, so that doesn't make you special or give you some sort of dispensation. I know that's usually papal. But it doesn't use any sort of you know special rights to say that my arguments about your team are invalid. Oh, it drove me crazy, today, Cal. Go ahead. Well, I can, I can, I can see why that would drive you crazy, and I, and I think I can see where they're coming from as well. They, they don't, they're not used to having to defend. Their team. That's that's one of the beauties of being a fan of a fabled franchise or a successful franchise is that more often than not in your fan history, you've been celebrating. You haven't had to defend your team. So when the when the occasion comes up that you're kind of put in a position to defend your team, 
they don't really know how to how to handle it. They're not used to it. They're not they're not skilled in it like a Met fan might be, or a Jet fan, or or an Islander fan, or a Nick fan. Um, us essentially, you and I. <laughs> uh, a Yankee fan doesn't usually have to defend their team, so their default reaction is to just well, you, you know, Yankees suck. You, you suck. That's Mets their suck. first. Yeah, Mets suck. Or you even they'll tell you that you suck right. because going back to your other point, the sense of entitlement. It extends, and not, please, I, I am not painting a picture of all Yankee fans or all no. fans of any, but there are large segments of those fan bases that truly believe they are better people than you because they root for a better team. And they turn it into an argument that, you know, it, it becomes very personal to them. If you criticize their team, they feel like you're criticizing them as a person, and they turn, they just ratchet it up another notch. And I really believe it's because they're, they just don't know, they're just not used to having to defend their team because they're usually so good. I think you, <clears throat> you hit the nail on the head. I, I really do. I think it's a matter that of makes sense. I mean, it, it does. It does make there. They are those type of fans, and these two guys are great fans. Right, and that's right. we'll, we'll sit there. We'll sit there and talk basketball, and and they know far more about basketball than I do. And we'll sit there and talk basketball all day, and they're great fans. But I could not get them to understand that if I say, "Wow, tough loss for the Lakers last night. They sucked. I don't think they're going to win this series." It has nothing to do with me being a Knicks fan. Nothing. Right. Right. And their defense of that is. Well, all the Nick fans talk so much smack and think that they're good and blah 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 blah. And you don't, you're not allowed to talk smack if your team's never won. Well, the other piece of that that they that they forget is that we we know the Knicks stink. <laughs> well, we're Nick fans and we know that they stink. That's that's not what the point is here. Right. You know, we're not trying to say the Knicks are better than the Lakers. That's not. That's, that's not it. Like, that's it. Right. That's it. I've had this. I've had this for so many years, Bry, with Yankee right. fans. Right, the Yankees, the Mets are not better than the Yankees, and the Jets are not better than the Giants. But if the Giants lose a playoff game, hey, you know what? You suck today. That's it. Or oh, it's not even that. It's and it oh, can happen. This we run into this. We're, we're fortunate enough to be friends with a number of really good Yankee fans. And when I say good Yankee fans, I mean rational Yankee fans. I mean Yankee fans that, as we've said before on the show, and we've talked about them, they know what it's like to lose. Okay, they remember a time when the Yankees weren't good. They remember a time when the Mets were the biggest team in town, you know, in the 80s. So they, they, there's a, a sort of, not humility, humility is not the right word. There's just a rationality there, mm -hmm. or a rational response to how the Yankees actually are. If they're playing well, they're playing well. If they're not, they're not. It's more realistic. Right, you can have a conversation about, with them about how the Yankees are currently playing. Right. There are so many Yankee fans that you can't have that conversation with them because they know you're a Met fan. Mm -hmm. So the minute you say, oh, boy, the Yankees rotation is in trouble. Yeah. You know, well, better than the Mets is the first response. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about the Mets. I'm talking about the Yankees. Or I can't talk about baseball outside of the Mets? No. I mean, in, in, in their mind... And that's it, what it comes down to, right? It's a it's a very personal thing. Gosh, fanhood is just it's just weird, Bry. It really is. 
it's crazy. It really is. We we had a great. I I mean, I had really good discussions with these guys, and 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 like I said, I love them. They're great fans, and I I love talking basketball with them because, as I said, they know far more than me. But they could not wrap their head around the concept of what are the the Knicks have nothing to do with what we're talking about. Right. Like my like, and I'm not even that big of a Knicks fan. I mean, I would get more. I have gotten more fired up about the Islanders, far more. You know, because, uh, you know, with a Ranger fan, a Ranger fan's defense of a loss last night to an Islander fan is, yeah, well, the Islanders are in the playoffs. <laughs> How about we talk about the game from last night? We can't do that or no? I think you I, I think you nailed it. They're unequipped. How did your head start on the golf course? <laughs> what are you on, hole six by now? We're playing in the Eastern Finals. I love how every one of our stereotypical <laughs> fans is so meatheaded. Like we've been doing that meatheaded, but it's true though. It's that's just the default. It it is, and it's and it's the meathead that calls up WFAN and is, "Hey, doing Mike, first time, long time." Yeah, I think the Yankees. This is a good time for them to trade for David Wright. By the way, I wanted to. We can we can move off the big unload because uh, but I, I just had to get that off my chest. That's a good point. It's it's something. It's I'm glad you brought it up because it's something I never really thought about. Like tried to figure out why it gets it, it gets that way. But it just things just get real contentious quickly. Yes. With with fans of those teams. And you, I think you got into the uh, the psyche of it. I think the psyche is you're not used to defending yourself. You don't feel you have to defend yourself, you know, or defend your fanhood. Like, like how, oh, the first thing they said to me when I brought that up was, oh, I've been a fan for the Lakers for, since I was a little kid. Like, they, like they had to qualify their well, fanhood. And I that, said, I, I'm, but by saying your team sucked last night, I'm not questioning your fanhood. Well, that's like the guys that call up the radio station, and, and right away they say, I'm a season ticket holder for 20 years. So it's like, <laughs> now all of a sudden, okay, well, well, well no. let's, let's listen to this guy. <laughs> let's pay close attention here. Season ticket holder is going to talk. Let's listen because his point is much more valid than the regular fan. Right. Or or even, you know, even the guy that calls up and says, I'm a huge Yankee fan, but I got to comment on this Mets situation. Right. Y- you do? Right away, you've lost your credibility. Right. That, while while trying to while trying to gain credibility, right, and that's where the that's where the backward mentality comes in because you're better off just not announcing that you're a Yankee. <laughs> I know, like why? Like you have to like you have to wear that badge out there. Like, hey, look, I don't want to be confused with a Met loser. Okay, I am not a Met fan. Right. I want everybody to know. Let's make this clear. I am a Yankee fan, so I I do know what's up. But I got to comment on them. But I got to I got to comment on what a joke the Mets are. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, so uh, that was big unload. Had to get off the, uh, that off my chest. And thanks to the guys at work today who totally indulged me, and then were like, "You're going to talk about this on the show tonight, aren't you?" And I'm like, well, "I absolutely am." Well, I hope we I hope we've done it justice. But it was organic. It wasn't like I was you know fishing for anything. Like we have these conversations all the time, and it's been building with Eusebio too because. He every day I hear him like sort of bitching about how the Knicks fans are always coming after him, and he's got to go back and he hates the Knicks. Right. Like that's the other factor here. He hates the Knicks fans. Like how we feel about certain teams' fans. 
Yeah. That's how he feels about Nick fans. And he's right to a certain extent. Nick fans are stupid. A lot of them. I, I, listen, a lot of New York fans fall into way, that category. Way over the top, right? Like, like they, they win one game in the playoffs against the Heat. Oh, here we come, baby. We're coming back. No, you're not. You're going to lose. It's like, be, it's be real right. But that doesn't mean they don't get to say anything about the Lakers. Because right. they haven't won a championship in 40 years. Like I said to Eusebio, I said, what, you have to have championship credentials to say anything about another team? He was like, yes, that's right. Oh. <laughs> Basically, yes. So anyway, good combo. But I wanted to ask you, Cal, how soon will it be? Well, we could talk Rangers, Devils here, or you want to go to the baseball? Well, let's, you know, since we're talking about uh, teams that we don't like, let's go to the Rangers. <laughs> okay. But remind me to bring up later. Uh, when we do talk about baseball, when will we hear that call on FAN? On one? WFAN? The the one about the Yankees trading for David Wright and moving A-Rod to the DH. Because <laughs> you know it's coming. You you know that somebody's... And realistically, it's... You know, I think the Yankees should should trade for David Wright now. You know, maybe off of Nova. You know, Nova and maybe, uh, you know, Boone Logan. That should get it done. No, no, no. No, listen, hear me out. Because the Yankees need a third baseman because A-Rod's getting old. And the Mets, they don't, they don't want to pay no money because they're broke. So this way here, they don't have to gotta pay David Wright. And we'll give them Nova because they need a pitcher. And we'll give them Nunez because they need a third baseman to replace them. That's right. And it works out for both teams. And, and I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and uh, you can move A-Rod to the DH permanently because that's where he belongs. You know, and Jeter's going to play another 10 years. So you don't need the DH for Jeter. All right? And I think this is the time now. You know, and the Mets are going to want to get rid of him. They're not going to sign him long term. They can't afford him. So anyway, I'm sure we'll be hearing that call soon. Um, the Rangers and the Devils. Yeah. 1-1. One, so, one. so the Eastern Conference Finals are in the tri-state area. There 94 all over again. Brought it back around. I don't know if you've heard... I don't know if you've heard... But this is very reminiscent of the year 1994. Yes. I'm not sure if, 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 that's, if you've heard about that. 1994. Yes. Just like it. It's very similar. It's like we're living in 1994 again. I wish we, you know, there's parts of me that had a good time in 1994. I've grown a goatee just for the two weeks. Right. I am lamenting the loss of Kurt Cobain. Which was April of 1994. That's right. That's right. I uh, have just gotten my first tattoo. Nice. When it is very, very against mainstream to get one still. I mean, <sighs> girls are not getting them behind their ears yet. No. Um, the, uh, I recorded last night's episode of Melrose Place. Nice. So that I could watch the game. Yeah. And then you VCR it, you taped it. Yeah, I had I had to tape over a lot of other stuff, but it'll yeah. be worth it. It's nineteen ninety four all over again, and we've been hearing about this constantly because the parallels are eerie. Yes. And they, they look, let's talk about the hockey first, and then we can talk about the annoyance. Okay. So I watched most of the game last night. Game two. Yes, game two. Uh, I mean, the hockey is really good. I watched none of it, so I'll follow your lead. Okay. Did you watch game one? I did. 
I did not get to see game one. See, from so, what now, – now, in talking to people that have watched both of them since we, we can cover half. Right. Um, well, no, they, we got the whole thing covered. You watch one, I watch two. Right, but we didn't watch both of them to compare them to one another. What I've heard is that the Devils played a very similar game in game one that they, that they played to game two. The difference was that the Rangers came out real flat in game two. Having, having nothing to compare it to for game one? Here's, but having read quite a bit about Game One, here's what I noticed. And I was, uh, I was talking to, I was texting with Scoot, our buddy Scoot out in LA. He works for Fox, uh, FoxSports.com. He does the hockey page out there. But a big Devils fan, quietly, loves the Devils. And uh, so I texted him, "Hey, go Devils! You know, like let's go Devils!" So I'm, I'm all in on the Devils here. Right. And they're, and they're, you know what? They're a very easy team for an Islander fan to like. Yes. They are. Uh, there's there's Zach Parise, whose father played for the Islanders. There's Martin Brodeur, who I've done a dissertation on this show about, who if he had played for the Rangers, there would be a statue 40 feet high in front of Madison Square Garden uh, of, because uh, you think, I mean, look at the praise they give uh, Lundqvist, who's never won a blessed thing. Uh, what would they have done for Marty Brodeur for three Stanley Cups? Uh, and, you know, whatever, how many Vesnias. But, uh Anyway, uh, they're a very easy team to root for. One thing I noticed in Game 2 after reading so much about the 26 block shots in Game 1, and the, the Devils only had 21 shots, 26 block shots. The Rangers completely have this now, uh, and we got to get to Tortorella too, Cal. Don't forget that. Oh, but yeah. they, the Rangers have this uh, this uh, reputation now for giving up the body and blocking all these shots, and Brodeur even came out after Game 1 and sort of tongue-in-cheek, but a bad choice of words said we should shoot at the head and the feet, and we'll see uh, if you know some of them get injured, they won't be blocking shots. Oops, my bad. Skate in mouth. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, one thing I noticed, and it, it was on the first goal, uh, Kovacek did this. They started basically treating it like a basketball game where you fake going up and you try to get your defender off his feet. And they started doing this a lot, especially from, especially from the blue line. It was clearly a plan. They had two. They they seemed to have two plans in game two: put more guys in front of the net and create and create as much traffic as possible in front of Lundqvist, and fake shots. Get the Rangers to leave their feet. Get and without shooting the puck. And I tell you, they went to school on it, and they were able to pull it off. And it was still a close. Checking a game the Rangers could have won, Brodeur had to make that ridiculous save on uh, on Gabrick, uh-huh. which we've seen him do before, by the way, against the Islanders in 2004. Mm-hmm. He made the same save, uh, the one where he comes all the way out and then kicks the leg up uh, behind yes. him. But um, on you know, unbelievable. I mean, just a really tightly checked game. I think the Rangers got away with some stuff, but of course, I'm rooting against the Rangers. That's the classic playoff so, hockey. You know right, what I mean? so you would think that. Exactly. Um, this is going to be a, an unbelievably tightly contested series. The goal by Clarkson that won it was not a high stick, uh, but it was a phenomenal goal. I mean, they really had to go above and beyond just to pot the three goals that they got. Now, tell me about game one. I mean, was it just infuriating like, <laughs> like with the block shots? Oh, it was crazy. I mean, there were just the shots one after another, and there was the there was the one 
Oh, jeez. Who the heck was it? There was one flurry of shots. Three shots in a row that, that Lundquist just was down on his stomach and he, sh- he stopped. Right. And I can't remember who. I don't know if it was Elias or Parisi. Three shots. Boom. Boom, boom. Rapid fire. And Lundquist just saved them all. And it just, you know, it just got the crowd at the garden going. And, you know, they were, I think they were living a little bit off the momentum of Game 7 against Washington. I carried over to Game 1. The Rangers came out a lot. You know, the Devils had been off for, for about a week after their series against the Flyers, and the Rangers were still riding that high of Game 7. So the momentum was clearly in their favor. But, and like I said, I didn't see Game 2. The Devils didn't play a bad game in Game 1. Right. You know, the score was 3 nothing. It's essentially a 2 nothing game because the third goal is an empty netter. But um, Lundqvist played a great game. Right. You know, and, and they blocked 26 shots. He yeah. I mean, he was he was the difference in that game, I think, between the block shots and Lundqvist. That that was that was why the Rangers won game 1. And then from everything I hear in game 2, they 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 couldn't match that intensity level and the Devils kind of stepped it up. I think though saying that the Rangers was the Rangers were flat is underselling how well the Devils played. I mean, okay. They the, the Rangers played a very good second period and and it's still and uh, the Devils still found a way to tie the game late in the second. That I I watched almost all of the first period and um and and again I watched almost all of the game. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Met game, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately and um they, they they thoroughly outplayed them in the first and third period. I mean thoroughly, like living in their zone, shot after shot, constant pressure. Um, I I thought the Devils just outplayed them. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they they may have been a little flat. They may have not been able to maintain the intensity they had in Game One. But the Devils played really really well. And then when the Devils play that brand of hockey, it's not the old clutch and grab, suffocating trap. Uh, yeah, it's not the trap. They're they're not a trap team, but they can put a lot more offensive pressure on uh, with you know just the forecheck and the cycling and stuff like that. Uh, cycling in the offensive zone. I tell you, they're a good team. This is going to be a really good series because this Ranger team is good. You know, we've, we've ripped on them <laughs> because we, we don't care for them. But they're they a good team. And Lundqvist, of course, is a good goalie. But right. I think, I, boy, you know, this series could uh, – I hate to be so wishy-washy, Cal, but it could really go either way. It's going to be like who gets a bounce here or there because – you know, for for Gabrick, they have Kovalchuk. You know, like they they have skilled offensive players that can maybe light the lamp a couple of times. A Brad Richards, but Parise can light the lamp a couple of times in a, in one game. Mm-hmm. You know, they do have two or three guys that can go off for a hat trick. I think it's going to be too tight checking. And they both and they both play really good defense. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's anytime anytime you get divisional rivals playing in a game in a series of this magnitude. Right. They know each other so well. Right. They've played each other how many times throughout the season? Yeah. Over the past couple of years. Now you've got a, a trip to the Stanley Cup finals on the line. It's, you know, the intensity level, you, you can't match it. So now a couple of other things that I've noticed out of this, Cal. One is, God, I miss playoff hockey. Yeah. Oh. It, it really, I mean, and and you think about it, these, this is not even our team in the playoffs, and how great has it been? Can we just get the Islanders there next year, please? Well, please. we'll see. Please. We'll see. 
Two, uh, my brother and I agreed uh, 10 years, 90 million for Zach Parise. That's, uh, Zach Parise, that should get it done. What do you think? 10 for 90. Does he not belong in an Islander uniform? Come on. He belonged in an Islander uniform when when he came out of the draft. Yeah, and they passed on him. And they passed on him. Uh, yeah, uh, but he's a free agent coming up this year. 10 for 90, I think, should get it done. Right. You're going to hate it when he's uh, skating around in a Rangers sweater. Yeah. Not going to care for that one bit. Uh, and then the last thing is Tortorella. I mean, all right. Well, now a lot's been said about him, so I don't want to. I don't want to rehash all of the. Uh, no, here's here's my thing. You, there's a way to win with the New York media. Maybe uh, there is. There is no. There absolutely is. They're awfully hypocritical. Awfully hypocritical. I know. I know. Because Rex gets killed for saying too much. Right. And Tortorella gets killed for not saying anything. Right. Because he has an obligation to the media. D- does he really? He, well, you know what he has an obligation to is 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 not being a jerk. He's been a jerk for years. He has. I mean, the guy's been a, a, a complete jerk for years. He has. This, this is but, not news. Right. I. You know. You know. You know what has to stop though. What has to stop is the uh, Tortorella comparisons to Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's – come on. Slow when, down. When he gets two more Stanley Cups, then we can start doing that. Right. But also – And also Belichick doesn't treat the media like Tortorella treats them. Yeah, but again, I, I it bothers me when the media gets all indignant about how they're being treated. Right, well, oh, he, of... he, won't, he won't give an interview, and he's, he's curtain with us. So what? Where is it written that he has to be polite to you? Deal with it. Work for a living. Deal with it. I, You know, not everybody's going to be nice and, and sweet with you. And write whatever you want about him. He really doesn't care. Well, that's clear. <laughs> so write whatever you want. But he, there's nowhere that it's written that he has to be nice to you. Right. Like, they, they, they get, oh, he's mean to us. Hey, you know what? Suck it up. Suck it up. Enough. The, the media in this town is a joke. I, I, I mean, it's a joke. Not all of them. Somebody asked, uh, uh, somebody, uh, asked Andy Martino, who covers the Mets, so yeah. well, right. what, he would, what he would do with Tortorella. Whip him for not meeting his obligations. Obligations that's, to who? That's what Andy Martino would do. He would rip him. That's what he, somebody asked him. What would you do if, you, had, do? if you were covering the Rangers right now Ooh, about Tortorella? Really? really, he would rip him. I would rip him for not meeting his obligations. Yeah, okay. Let's not to his face. No. no, no, he certainly wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. And you know what? He Look, he's being a jerk, okay? But he doesn't have to be nice to you. He's being a little disrespectful, too. I mean, This isn't courtesy class, though, Cal. He doesn't have to be nice to them. He's going to show respect, though. Show respect. Why? You don't have to be nice. Why? What respect do they show him? They what show respect up, do they show him? They 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 show up oh, for his press conference. I'm not I hate look. I'm tired I'm tired of hearing it from the media. Oh, right. we're so you know, you, they push their agenda. Yeah, the they last do, thing I wanted to defend the media, but <laughs> no, I know, and I understand what you're saying. But you know what? Where is it written that he can't be curt? I mean, what 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 is he doing that's disrespectful, Cal? He's not giving full interviews. He's not answering their questions. He doesn't have to. 
You don't, but you don't feel like like he's playing a game now. Of course he's playing a game, but for the for the media to go off, for these guys to go off crying about how he's treating them, like they they just got you know uh, they didn't get a note in seventh period biology class from the boy that they like. I mean, come on, grow up. You're in a profession. Nobody has this isn't courtesy class. Nobody has to be nice to you. Why? Because you have a press credential? Ah, oh, please. No, I, I, I've had it. You know what? I, I've just, I've had it. Look, the, the, you know what he's doing wrong to me? He's not representing the NHL. Well, if he's doing anything wrong, it's that. That's a very good point. This is the Eastern Conference Finals. This is to go to the Stanley Cup. The NBC Sports is covering these press conferences and stuff, and he comes off looking like a jerk. And he comes off making, hurting the product. If there's anybody that should be angry right now, it's Gary Bettman. I don't think he's happy. No, no. But I'm saying for the media to keep coming back to me and saying, "Oh, he's mean to us." Well, yeah, well, well look, that back and, it up. And, and I agree with that. I don't need to hear the media whining about it. I don't need to hear that. But, but I just, I, I would, I would prefer him to take a little bit of a different approach. He doesn't. He doesn't have to go out there, you know, doing a song and dance for the media, or, I, be, I'm, or be Rex Ryan. No. I'm not looking for. I'm not looking for him to make, uh, you know, the, the John Tortorella comedy hour. That's fine, but show a little bit of respect. You know, don't 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 be don't be messing with them because it's 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 very it's very self indulgent what he's doing right now. But Cal, it, it, it's it's tolerated if you win, and it's not if you don't. Of course. Period. Of course. I mean, we saw that with Rex Ryan last year, right? You've been saying that for two and a half years about Rex Ryan. That this song and dance, if if they ever lose, and last year they went at Nate, and it was a complete disaster, and it blew up in their faces. If they ever lose, that act is going to get old in a hurry. You said it. I give you all the credit in the world, brother, because you said it two and a half years ago, and you and, were absolutely right. And and but I even I didn't realize how fast it would get old. Like how I mean, they turned on him in a heartbeat. Well, it, but how about this? The the Rangers are winning, and they've turned on him. On Tortorella. Yeah. Oh, the Rangers are winning, and they turn on Rex Ryan. And they turn on Rex Ryan anyway. The Rangers are winning, and they want Tebow to be the quarterback. <laughs> Look, I I I under, have respect for the league. I don't care about his respect for writers. No, I, or, okay. Let me put it that: have respect for your position. That's right. That's fine. Right? Like absolutely. You said, as a representative of the league, as a head coach of an NHL hockey team, as a representative of an organization. 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 He represents. He's he is a representative. He's the face. Of of a franchise yep. when he's doing those when he's doing those press conferences. Absolutely agree. And and it's and it's giving the Rangers a bad name. Yeah, you know? I don't I don't want to come off here and defend as as if I'm defending John Tortorella. I'm talking more. I think I'm trying to speak more to the big picture, and 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 the the uh, what's the word? The sort of accepted. It's not parlance. It's sort of the accepted model, as it were, the the the, the accepted paradigm between sports writer uh, or reporter and coach, okay, or player. 
the relationship. Yeah, the relationship, but also the 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 the, the expected sort of the way it, it, it oh, the model. Okay, and that is, uh, you know, you remember, Cal, you remember when Chad Pennington got killed? Got killed for saying he got really pissed off in a press conference, and he said it's a privilege for you guys to cover this sport. It's a privilege for you guys to cover us. You have a job that people would die to have. You have a job where you have access to things that so many people would love to have. It's a privilege to have that job. And he got killed. Of course he did. Killed. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. Right. You You're know, right. That's, that's what these, these men and women lose sight of. And go write whatever you want. Rip Tortorella a new one tomorrow in the paper if you don't like it. That's what you do. But, you know, I, look. And, and you know what? You caught me on a bad night too, Cal, because I'm so annoyed with, with uh, Manesh Mehta from the New York Daily News. And I'm so annoyed with uh, Adam Rubin uh, for ESPN.com who covers the Mets and the, the Jets. Uh, that You know, I've just – I've had it. I've really, really had it. What I mean these what what these guys have have done is they're making it about them, all right. What they're doing is they have and and let's use let's use Twitter as the model here. Well, I, the, I, well yeah. What what tell the people what Meta did today? Who well, covers the New York Jets for the for the you know uh, tell tell the people uh, tell the people talk to me about what he did today because I'm I'm over I have not been this livid in. I can't remember how long since what? since, since uh, Francesca did what he did to Darrell Rivas on the air. Uh, I haven't been this mad at the media. Well, and and I I will I will tell our fine listeners exactly what happened. <laughs> but my, but my, my my point is what they've done is they've set themselves up as the story on Twitter. They clearly have thousands upon thousands of followers. If you're a beat writer for a team. You have thousands of followers of your work. They want to hear what you have to say because they're fans of the team that you cover. All right? Let's use us for example. We're Jet fans. We're Met fans. All right? We want news on our teams. Manesh Mehta and Adam Rubin are the, have direct access to the information that we want. So we follow them because we want information from them. They know this. They they know. I mean, it's they 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 can't possibly think that they've got sixteen thousand followers because they're such great guys and and their writing <laughs> is impeccable and and wow, this, these are my fans. They can't think that. They know why people follow them. So they could go two ways. They could play it straight and they could provide the information. They could provide the news that the the fans of that team want to hear. They could provide unbiased analysis of the team that the fan wants to hear from an, from an insider like a Rich Catino does does, a, does, does a, a fantastic job of that. I'll give Jenny Vrentis a, 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 a pop on that for the Jets. She does a great job with that too. So you can take that approach. Or you could make this Twitter thing all about you and you can you can essentially play the play a part. You're playing the role 
of antagonist to 16,000 people. And you're going to tweak and you are going to push and poke and you're going to present facts, just negative facts though. They're facts. You can't argue the facts and that will be their argument to you if you call them on it. Well, I'm just presenting the facts. You're being sensitive. Yeah, but you know what you're doing is you're presenting negative facts and you're being very passive aggressive about it in order to get a reaction because you're making it about you. And what they're doing is, is they're pushing the fan that's following them for a reason and they're, make, and they're trying to elicit a response. And every time we get sucked into it and we respond to one of these guys, they win. That's exactly what they want. And it's just frustrating because what, I don't understand why they have to go and, and why are they going down that? What are they getting out of it? They're obviously getting something out of it. They're doing it. It's, it's clear why they're doing it. Today, here's your example. Manesh Mehta, New York Daily News, he tweeted, and, and correct me if I don't have this right because I didn't read it. You, you told me what it was. Unsolicited came out and talked about how uh, being a starting quarterback in the NFL doesn't automatically equate to leadership. The the direct uh, – and you just nailed everything there, by the way. You set this up perfectly, and this has really been driving me a little crazy because um, these guys are – and I've been saying this for a really long time. People say, oh, why do you let Mike Francesa bother you so much? Or why do you let this bother you so much? Because these people set the narrative about the teams that I root for. And, and it's not just a New York narrative. It's a national narrative. It's like when Gary Myers writes a story saying Tebow chose the Jets because he thinks he can displace Mark Sanchez's starting quarterback without any proof that that's accurate. So he writes that story, and it gets picked up by the national media, and now all of a sudden that's the narrative right. with no proof. So that's why these things bother me. These people are opinion makers. So uh, he tweeted unsolicited. It wasn't a quote. By any means. He was out of nowhere. And this is a guy who, by the way, if there's a Sanchez story in the New York Daily News, he didn't write it. Kevin Armstrong does. He only writes Tebow stories now. <laughs> so yesterday there was an article about how Joe Namath said that Sanchez is way better than Tebow. And if he was and, and Namath said, if I was Sanchez, I wouldn't care anything about this. I I think I'd be sitting pretty because I know I'm better than Tebow. Kevin Armstrong wrote that article for the New York Daily News. Today, there was an article about what other players said about Tim Tebow. Not mm -hmm. even a quote from Tim Tebow. Guess who wrote that article? Manesh Mehta. Who wrote that article today. Who even the guy in the wall, who covers the Jets for the Wall Street Journal made fun of him on Twitter. Because Mehta wrote, uh, you know, the, the Jet players think he's a natural born leader and this, this, and this. See all about it in my story. And the guy from the Wall Street Journal responded to that and said, LOL, well, yeah, because we asked them those questions. So even the guy from the Wall Street Journal is calling made a hack. So then today he writes, unsolicited, unsolicited. Per, uh, quotes, starting quarterback, end quotes, is not synonymous with, quotes, leader, end quotes. That was it. That was a tweet. Being starting quarterback is not synonymous with team leader. And those were in quotes. Now, 
what's you have no agenda? Is that what you're telling me? You've been writing about everything Tim Tebow since they made the trade. Okay, your background on your Twitter feed is the Statue of Liberty Tebowing from the Daily News. Okay, that's your background. You're the beat reporter for the Jets. Okay, you've written story after story about your favorite player, Anonymous Jet. I wonder what number Anonymous Jet wears. Anonymous player, is he number, what is he, double zero? What number does Anonymous player wear? Unnamed Jet. Yeah, unnamed Jet. He's a great player, unnamed Jet. What position does he play? So you've done this over and over again, and then you write that. Now, you're telling me you don't have your own narrative? You're not pushing your own narrative here? You're not pushing your own agenda? Hey, we've seen I, – I said this when they first made the Tebow trade, okay? And I've said this about Andy Martino and David Wright. We've seen sports writers push guys out of town. Good guys. Mm-hmm. Tom Seaver. You know, we've seen sports writers do this. And I feel like Meta is trying to, trying to push public opinion as if it needed it over to Tim Tebow. And we've seen this happen. I mean, there's a reason that Richard Todd punched Steve Serby, you know, and threw him into a locker. Mm -hmm. So I tweeted back, well, being a, quote, New York News, (laughs) Daily News writer, end quote, is not synonymous with being a, quote, journalist either. And you know what? I've just had enough of it, Cal. I really have. And I don't even follow the guy. The only reason I saw it is because it was retweeted by another Jet fan who I follow. Right. That's blatant to me. So, yes, we've taken this on a media tirade again. I don't well, care. Well, you know why? Because it's <laughs> you know it's it's been bothering us. Um, Adam Rubin will do this daily. It, it it really it, it's upsetting now. Not upsetting. I shouldn't say upsetting. It's, it's, it's antagonizing. <laughs> I know, but let me put it in perspective. All right, it's not upsetting. Right. World it's, hunger it's, is upsetting. Right. It's annoying. <laughs> it's uh, enough with this. But 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 because the Mets play every day and they have a game every day, Adam Rubin does this every day. And what he does is he will always post something. For example. Loves to tell you how Carlos Beltran is doing for the Cardinals. <laughs> I know. Why? Loves to tell you that Jose Reyes went three for three tonight. And stole home. Stole home. Right. Uh, retweets an inspirational message from Shane Victorino. Victorino. Who is uh, probably the most hated Met uh, opponent in, in baseball. Probably. Right. And, and, and as a guy that is as smart as he says he is, or as he thinks he is. Or as he will tell you he is. And as he portends to be. <laughs> um, and it has such access to the team, and really has his finger on the pulse of everything, uh, it's no accident. Well, you know he, what? He knows, that he knows how Met fans, he knows how his 25,000 followers feel about Shane Victorino. What's, what is he gaining by retweeting that? Cal, it wasn't even an inspirational tweet. Like, I went and looked at it. That's what killed me. You know what it was? On my way to the park. Have a blessed day. Yeah, I... That's it. Yeah, I know. It wasn't wasn't like, you know, something you see on a bookmark, you know, with footprints in the sand or something. It it wasn't anything like that. Right. Two kids holding hands. (laughs) 
you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, John Glenn, uh, you know, somebody touching down on the surface of the moon. But serious, I mean, why? What, what is what is the purpose What's of doing the that? Possible purpose of tweeting that Shane Victor retweeting that Shane Victorino is on his way to the park, other than to your Met fan fan base, right? Other than to antagonize. There's no other reason. I mean, it's not like you know Shane Victorino came out of the closet. There's nothing profound there. He said, I'm, I'm "On my way to the park. Have a blessed day." Okay. It just it doesn't. He, ret- it doesn't... he retweets that to twenty five thousand New York Met fans. And then and then scratches his head when they say, you know what, dude, you're being a little antagonistic. Whatever. It doesn't. I, it, I, yeah. can't, I can't take it. To get back to Tortorella, I think he has responsibility to the NHL, and that's it. And to quote Winston Wolfe, if I'm curt with you, it's because time is of the essence. So pretty pleased with sugar on top. Clean the bleeping car. <laughs> um, anything else about the Rangers devs, uh, Cal, before we get to uh, baseball? No, uh, they play again Saturday night. They get I a couple, can't wait. Get a couple of days off here. I love I, I love those weekend <laughs> weekend night games. The weeknight games are good, but you work all day. You're tired at night. It's, it's not the same as when you get the like that Saturday night game. Um, Saturday night's all right for uh, fighting. Did you see this? And and I give credit to my wife for breaking this story. <laughs> is she on Twitter? She's not on Twitter. So wait, wait. Let me get this straight. Allison is reporting. Alice is just reporting, and, it's, and I don't know where she heard it. She says, she, she says did, you, did you hear about what the Rangers are doing with Delta? Oh, okay. I, I did see this on Twitter, actually. Did you hear, did you hear about this? Because yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know about it. Um, the Rangers are – the Rangers and Delta, I guess, have worked out a promotion where if you have a ticket to Saturday night's game, game three, at the Prudential Center in Newark – if you have a ticket to that game and you show up wearing a Ranger jersey to LaGuardia Airport or whatever airport it is. Is it LaGuardia? I think it's LaGuardia. Okay. Um, you show up wearing a Ranger jersey at LaGuardia Airport and you have a ticket to that game, they will fly you to Newark. I love it. It's a 17-minute flight. 17-minute <laughs> flight. They're going to fly you to Newark and they'll provide you transportation from Newark Airport to the Prudential Center and back. Oh, great, so great. Um, for free, they'll, they'll fly. They'll they'll take you there for free, which I thought was really interesting. And when she told me that, I said, "Wow, that's interesting," because I seem to remember there being some sort of groundswell earlier in the week from the devil's side of it. Right. Let's keep the Ranger fans out of our building. We want only Devils fans there on Saturday. Oh boy. You know, and they were they were really imploring the Devils fans to show up at this game. Wow. You know, and it, so it was so it, it's an interesting little. It's a great promotion. I never heard of that before. Uh, that is great. Seventeen minutes flight. Seventeen minutes. <laughs> so funny. I love it. Um, yeah, that's going to be. I, I tell you, I, I love this series, and we'll talk about this series again next week. And we're going to have a, a team from the tri-state area in the Stanley Cup. Which is exciting to uh, go lose to the Kings, who apparently can't be beaten. Yeah, I mean, they're, what's going on tonight? They're in the third period, and it's tied 1-1. All right. I read a great uh, Scott, uh, our resident Islander fan. We have a lot of people in residence, by the way. We do. <laughs> we really got to stop giving out that title. <laughs> we have like 13 people in residence right now. It's starting not to mean much, is it? Either that or we got to graduate these people. 
Now they just hang around. Yeah. Make them take some sort of test. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Scott sent me a great article comparing the Kings rebuild to the Islanders rebuild. And uh, it actually was three teams. It was like the Kings. The Blackhawks? Uh, no, it wasn't the Blackhawks. It was like the Kings. Sugar. I'll send it to you. It was really good. It was a good read. Uh, it was basically focused on how to rebuild the blue line. Uh, you know, and, and how to rebuild and how the Islanders are still like a year behind uh, doing what, um, you know, what the Kings were able to do. But uh, really good read. Very, very good read. Very interesting. Um, so on to the baseball and then to the fun load. How does that sound? Does that sound I, delicious? I like that agenda. You have an agenda. I, um, I do. I'm pushing my narrative on you right now. What are the, what are the Yankees doing tonight? The Yankees lost. They were, they were swept in their little two-game jaunt to Toronto. 4-1 tonight. Yikes. Who pitched uh, tonight there? Uh, tonight, I'll have to I'll have to check on that for you. Hold yeah, on. you will. I'll find out, though. You do that. Um, so uh, let's talk about the Mets real quick. Here's our uh, big bone, uh, bone of contention. Huge win for the Mets today, by the way. Big comeback win, down 4-0. Uh you don't think that they're going to be able to come back in this game. It's a, it's a getaway day. They're going up to Toronto of all places. Uh, Did you see though? And and this was interesting. They all, you know, how they traveled to Toronto. Yeah, I saw that. It's great. We're in the hockey jerseys. Yeah, they they did this when they went to Houston, and of course they got swept there. Uh, but they dressed up like cowboys, which was pretty fun for the plane flight from Denver. And then uh, going up to Toronto, they all picked a hockey jersey and they uh, they wore hockey jerseys, so they made it a hockey trip. Can I tell you something, though? Great for morale, Cal. Well, can, well, can I tell you, without being facetious about it, I okay. buy I buy into this. So I buy I. into the fact that they all like each other, and they're doing this as a team because, it, you know, this is not some sort of forced gimmick for team building. That, right. you know, oh, let's, all, let's all do this in solidarity. And well, But I know you hate that guy, so why? You're not really fooling anything. This team, I really believe... Over the first six weeks of the season, you know, almost two months in now, almost a quarter of the way through, and they have proven they have proven time and time again to be resilient. And unbelievably game, so. You know, a game like today, where they've just lost two in a row, they're down four nothing, on the verge of losing three in a row, and they scratch their way back. And they had a couple innings where they left bases loaded. And they didn't break the game open where they had an opportunity to. But it, but it didn't matter because they, they kind of pecked away and pecked away. And, pe- and in the eighth inning, they, 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 they blew the game open finally. But I just I, this is another game that, you know, we always worry about when the bullpen blows a game. It's a tough loss. It's not your run-of-the-mill 4-1, you know, garden-variety loss that, that you're going to have throughout the year. Bullpen blows a game, those two games in Miami – that they blew. Tough, tough losses. And the we game always, last night. The game last night that they blew. These are, these are losses that you worry are going to accumulate and start to weigh the team down, weigh their psyche down. But on the flip side, when you win a game like this today, and when you win a game against Heath Bell in the ninth inning, that stuff accumulates too. And you start to believe, hey, maybe we, we're not as bad as everybody said we were. You know, you start to believe in yourself. You believe in the rest of your team. You know, you see what happened the other night. What happened the other night, and I got to touch on this real quick, the Terry Collins, David Wright yeah. thing. 
No, I was going to talk about it too. This is, and I, I want to get your take on it because we haven't talked about this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, this was a classic, classic situation that cried for an only the Mets moment, where something would have gone wrong. You know, Terry Collins would have done something to to piss off his 400 hitting superstar that's that's going to grease the skids to his exit from New York. Something was going to go wrong. He was going to say something. They were going to do something. And, like, you were just holding your breath when you saw David Wright shouting at Terry Collins in the dugout, like, oh, my God, what the heck is going on here? And then you watch it play out. It happened in, like, the seventh inning. So you watch it play out over the last three innings. And they keep going back to the, to the two of them in the dugout. And, first of all, Wright came back. He came back into the dugout. That's the first thing. And I don't care. I'll say it. Jose Reyes would have left the park. He would have. He would have mouthed off on the field, stormed into the clubhouse. Would have left the park. Wouldn't have talked to the media. You wouldn't have seen him till the next day. He would have that's, been on the 59th Street Bridge. That's the first thing. <laughs> is the fact that he came back and he sat in the team. He sat in the dugout with his team in an eight nothing game that they were losing. That's and he one. and he talked it out with Collins. That's number two. Right. Every time you saw David Wright, he was talking to Collins, and right, and and he was animated. You kept seeing his hands going, blah blah blah, blah and, and whatever it was, he was emotional about. And Terry Collins just sat there, and he listened, and he nodded, and and they showed that throughout the game. The third thing is then listening to them in the press conference, and Terry Collins was was brutally honest about what he did. Why he did it. And as he's talking, all I'm thinking about in my head is he's going to say something about him being a son. He's going to say something about him being like a son. And sure enough, he made the comment. You know, I think of him like a, he's like a son. And that's, what Terry, that's how Terry Collins thinks of David Wright. And they kept asking him, you know, is David Wright have a problem? He says, David, he's got no problem with me. Go ask him. Go ask him. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, oh, crap, they're going to go talk to David Wright, and he's going to be noncommittal about it, too, and he's going to, you know, going to give you the media speak around. David Wright was honest about it, too, said he had no problem with Terry Collins. You find out after the fact, David Wright sent a text message to Terry Collins later that night just to make sure everything was cool. Huge. Huge. The two of them took a potentially explosive situation that could have derailed all of the good feelings of the first six weeks, and they handled it in a way I've never seen the Mets handle something before. Or at least not in a long time. Not in a long time. And that just, it just, you know, it just plays into the theme of what's going on over there. And, you know, uh, as the game was going on, 4 nothing. I, I know this, I was, the whole sky has fallen, they're going to lose the game, they're three, and, and you kept, you know, optimistic Johnny, Come on, they're gonna come and get one more here. You know, they turn the lineup over. They, and you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time for me to to lose some of that negative negative feeling because is it possible that things might have turned the corner here? I think uh, I'm gonna take it two steps further. Not Please. two steps further. I'm gonna I'm gonna elaborate on what you were saying. One, and I'll, and and check this out, Cal. When's the last time you can remember that not only did they handle it correctly? Like, not only did bo- were both guys right, in other words, T- Terry Collins was right for pulling right there. He was absolutely right to pull right there. There's no point in getting him hurt in an 8 nothing game against a non-division rival that you're not going to see again until September. 
when it was even questionable if Carrasco was throwing at him in the first place. And I'm going to get to Carrasco in a minute because that's very important. Okay, so Terry Collins handled it correctly, and Wright, Wright handled it correctly, Cal. Wright became a captain. He stepped up. He got fired up. He let him, his emotions show in the dugout. He said to Collins, if somebody's going to get hit on this team, it is going to be me. I mean, can you imagine? I get goosebumps. But it's even, a, That's what we've wanted from David Wright for years, and you, his whole team saw that. The whole but, team saw that. And the, but, but the thing is, at the time... We didn't know what he was no, saying. No, no, exactly. So no, exactly. it scared the crap out of you. <laughs> it evolved. It evolved into something fantastic. Yes, but uh, again, you, when was the last time? I can't remember when they both handled. Like we we had the Jose Reyes situation last year as fans, where they, you know, Terry Collins handled it as he thought he should handle it, pulling Jose Reyes on the last day after he got the bunt base hit, but it was not handled well on all sides. Jose Reyes, even though I defended him at the time, and I can still make a defense for him now, was wrong to pull himself from that game. He was wrong. You could say Collins was right to pull him from the game because they talked about it, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Jose Reyes was wrong to leave that game. Not in this case, Cal. They were both right. They were. Okay. So that's one point. The other point is this team, as evidenced by the, you know, you could say these things are for show, whatever. They are playing three men down. Count Pelfrey, four men down. Keep key men. Yeah, I mean, again, you can say whatever you want about Jason Bay. Still Jason Bay. He's your starting left fielder when yeah, he went he, down. He's still going to be better than Andres Torres. Okay? Wow. You can say whatever you want about Josh Tolley, but Josh Tolley was hitting 284 with like a 375 on base percentage. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can and say what you want about Ruben Tejada. Ruben Tejada was hitting 305 and playing flawless shortstop. And you can say whatever you want about Mike Pelfrey, but he's definitely better than Miguel Batista. Okay, so they're playing without really integral parts. Better than Jordan G. Right. Well, um, G's going to be okay. He had a rough outing the other night. He shaved the goatee, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. Thanks. By the way, uh, he's uh, like 8-9 with a 5.5 ERA in his last 24 starts. So. Yeah, not not great. But um, he's sort of pitching to the mean. But I just had to get that in. The, the, these team-building things, these guys like each other. You see pictures of, uh, of Johan Santana and R.A. Dickey and – in their hockey jerseys, like hanging out, having fun, to win this game today and go with those. If they they had been planning this NHL thing, mm-hmm. right? To go if they had lost this game today on a getaway day and done it, it really it would have been tough. I think they get that win. Cal, they scored six runs off two guys who hadn't given up a run yet this year. Mm-hmm. In the seventh and eighth innings, they scored six runs. Or off Araldis Chapman and uh, Andrzejczyk. Okay? Th- those guys hadn't given up a run yet this year in 36 innings. That's huge. Again, resiliency. You're getting guys like Mike Nickius dropping, or, or, or the backup catcher, Johnson, dropping down a bunt to lead off the eighth. And get, getting a base hit on a bunt. And then David Wright knocks him in with a double. I mean, they, they, they are, look... There's reason to be optimistic that this team has turned the corner and that David Wright is finally going to be that ca- – I mean, forget about his on-field place – hitting 411. And it's not a soft 411. No, no. I think I read the stat that he has reached base in 84 of his 152 plate appearances this year. Well, he's got – what? He's got three separate 10-game hitting streaks? Yeah, and and then you know to come back from the broken pinky – and not go on the DL, 
and show that toughness and then hit a home run against the Phillies in his first at bat back. You know, and then to do that the other night where he says, I'm the leader of this team. I, if somebody's going to get hit, I want it to be me. You know, a huge corner. But, Cal, big point I have to make. I got to give huge, huge, uh, uh, not respect. I mean, who am I? The Godfather? I, I just, I got to. Are you giving mad props? I want to pay, I want to pay propers. You are. To, no, I, I saw something in Sandy Alderson last night um, that was decisive. Anybody who says he doesn't have a handle on this team is out of their is out of their mind. And that's he DFA'd DJ Carrasco immediately after that game. Yep. And that was coming off DJ Carrasco hitting Ryan Braun, which none of the Mets liked, which created this whole thing. Exactly. There was no reason to hit Ryan Braun there. Okay, so Carrasco, who claims he didn't do it on purpose, but definitely did. Well, he said he got, it was a sinker that got away. So yeah. you draw your own conclusions. A sinker that got away. Yeah, in, in any case. So he did that the night before where he hits Ryan Braun, puts the team in a terrible position where they have to pull David Wright. So, he, so he's not retaliated against. And then the next night he gives up a three, you know, a two-run homer the minute he comes in the game. Um. Alderson did not hesitate, Cal. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a problem in this clubhouse because you know Wright didn't like that. Collins didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've stuck with DJ Carrasco through I know. all of last year. He had, uh, what, depression, right? No, that was uh, Taylor oh, that Buckles. Was, that was Taylor Buckles. But they stuck with him all he last year. He caused depression for us. That's correct. <laughs> um, they stuck with this guy through thick and thin. The minute that... I think Sandy Alderson saw that he may be a problem in the clubhouse, Cal. Gone. Got him out of there. Gone. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, Frank Francisco, you better be heads up, my friend. You better not be a problem in that clubhouse because they will, they will get rid of you. But Sandy Alderson is not going to – I think Sandy Alderson believes in the chemistry of this team. And he believes that chemistry in a baseball clubhouse is important. And this team has a really good chemistry. Well, it's his team. And, and you know, the, the trendy thing lately is to is to give Omar Minaya credit for all of the kids that have come up. And yeah. you know what, though? This is Sandy Alderson that has decided to promote them and put this group together. That's also, And it's also the fact that uh, a lot of these guys, and look, you know, Toby Hyde wrote a great article about this on his uh, Minor League Mets blog at SMY.TV. Toby wrote a great article about how the the guys that are up were afterthoughts for Omar Minaya. That's right. His big players are not here. Fernando Martinez is not here. Wilmer Flores has been a disappointment so far. Uh, his big draft picks are not here. Carlos Beltran not here anymore. Pedro Martinez not here anymore. You know, like and his his big you know Lucas Duda was what twentieth round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Totally. Josh, Josh Tolley was in. These guys were afterthoughts. They were not. Uh, it, it took, I think, it took Alderson and his crew seeing that they had potential in these guys, especially for on base percentage. Hey, look, dude is a hater, Cal. He really is. And and the other thing that we forget, quietly got his average up to about two seventy five right right now, by the way, and got a base hit off of Aldis Chapman uh, that was huge in that inning. And and clutch, he's been yeah. clutch too. Yeah, the, right the, walks and he gets a base hit and it sets up that inning. The thing that we forget that I, I don't I don't forget it. 
Well, I do forget it sometimes. I don't know. I'm not going to talk for you. But a lot of people forget. Terry Collins, before he took the job as the manager, was the minor league coordinator. Correct. So all these kids that are, he's, that are playing with him right now, he he's knows them seen. All. Yeah. Yep. So, so this is his input to Sandy Alderson to say, bring up a Kirk Neuenheis. I think he, he's a player. He's going to be able to handle it. Yep. You know? Let's go with Tolley. You know, we don't got to get another catcher. Let's go with Tolley. He, right. he can handle the job. You know, dude is a hitter. Dude is a major league hitter. Yep. So totally agree. So it's part of a plan that's been building for the last three years. I, I totally agree. Now, uh, so that's with the Mets. All right, good. We disagree strongly about Frank Francisco. I think uh, they are sticking with him too long. Uh, but uh, I love you. I agree to disagree there. Well, I, but do you see my, my, my point with Francisco um, is more of a Terry Collins thing. And they're going to need him. They can't just jettison him. He makes too much money for this team, right? Um, and they're going to need him. If, if you pull, if you if you pull him from the closer spot now, you're going to lose him completely, and he's going to be useless. He's going to be DJ Carrasco making thirteen million dollars for the next two years. So Terry Collins has to be very careful with how he manages Frank Francisco. So that's why he's got to go back to him the first opportunity to save comes up. Because he's got to try to rebuild his confidence. But on the same token, he has shown he's not afraid to pull him. And he's not going to treat him like a regular closer. If he gets into trouble, he'll take him out of the game. And he still he is going to try to manage Francisco's psyche at the same time that he manages trying to win a ball game. Instead of one or the other. Right. And it's and it's it's complicated. It's a little it's a little intricate. He's gotta be careful. He's you can't, he's you can't be lose the team. Right. But I don't think. But I, I just feel like, you know, we just we just spent ten minutes talking about, right? How much they like him? No, you're right. How much they how, believe him? Yep. And how much this team? They they all stick together, and and I believe how Terry Collins is handling Francisco. I I'll, I would be willing to bet that Wright is communicating and supporting that stance with the players as well. Right. In his role as de- could be. They call him de facto captain. Right. You know, I just. The DFC, the DFC. I I I I know what your point is, and I, I'm surprised at myself for actually thinking this way. Because usually I think like you can get him out of here. I don't right. want to see his fat face on my field. <laughs> you know, but but I'm kind of I'm a kind of appreciating what Terry Collins' job is and what he's trying to do. And let me tell you something. In the last 10 years of New York sports. There isn't a more unlikely thing that has happened than me becoming or us becoming huge Terry Collins fans. That's probably fair. If you go back two years to when they, they hired him. We were upset. What? the What? Terry? Who? Terry Collins? Didn't he burn out in Houston, in Anaheim? Right. Didn't his teams quit on him? And, and he hasn't managed in ten years, and they're going to bring this guy in, and then and then to see where we are now and how we feel about him, it's just of course much much like uh, jet draft picks, we talked ourselves into him awfully quickly after the first press conference. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Well, and then we also had Patrick Flood from the Patrick Flood blog talk us down. Right. All right, uh, Cal. Quick. I, I know I got on to it. No, no, not at all. The Yankees. Yeah. Lose again tonight, twenty eighteen, in fourth place in the NL East. Yeah, it's weird, huh? 
Uh, Baltimore wins again. They are 25 and 14. Um, the Yankees, uh, Pettit came up with so-so, uh, four runs, six and a third, uh, took the loss. Uh, Nova got knocked around the other day. Uh, Nova's now, hurt. Now, can it, right, Nova's hurt. Robertson has gone on the DL, mm-hmm. so Soriano's now the closer. Um, Cano has started to hit, and we knew he would. Um, we said it, you know, it's a, we keep beating the same sad drum, but if that rotation is in tatters, this team is in trouble. I'm sorry. They just are. Well, you know, you know, it's, it's changed since Rivera went down because my argument was always, I don't care about the rotation because they're going to hit. And if they can slug their way to an eight, six game in the seventh inning, then the bullpen's going to come and take over and they're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. But now that Rivera has gotten hurt and Mm. now that Robertson has gotten hurt, you have that, that, that huge strength of theirs, which was their bullpen has totally been mitigated. You know, you got a guy like Corey Wade that came in tonight. All right. Corey Wade gave up two runs right away when he came in. Right. You know, that's a, that's a spot where you would have seen Soriano in the seventh, in the sixth inning, seventh inning. You know, now you're seeing guys like Corey Wade, you know, Freddie Garcia pitched the ninth inning, the eighth inning tonight. Right. And, so, and you know what? There's the, the the white horse is not big enough for Andy Pettit. I'm sorry. Uh, you listen, and and it's almost a little. I hate to say this, and don't shoot me here. It's almost a little unfair to Andy Pettit. <laughs> that's it. Show's over. <laughs> that's I'm, it. I'm rooting for the Rangers. I'm that's defending it. Andy Pettit. That's it. It's been a good two and a half years. I've enjoyed it. Uh, you know, thanks very much, Brian. It's been a great two and a half year run. I've really enjoyed it. Um, you're right. It is. It's unfair. But it, Andy seems to relish it. Yeah, I know. Mr. Pettit seems to really be like, he really likes playing the uh, role of the, the savior. Coincidence? <laughs> no. Well, that's a lot of injuries on this team, too. A lot of injuries. They're very banged up, which is a shame. Um, let me let me do this, and then I want to do the fun load. But this will be fun. You ready? Yeah. Okay. American League East, Baltimore in first place, 25-14. Do they stay there? Or we'll do it this way. For real, not for real. Baltimore? Yeah. <sighs> the guy. Come on. They got a little something going there. I th- I think they're going to hang around all year. It's not show friends. It's show Walter, my friend. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Right. American League Central, Cleveland, 22-16 and 16 in first place. For real? Not for real. Uh, they're, I don't know how they're doing it. They must be doing it with pitching. They were they were very good early last year too, Cal. Don't forget they were like ten, twelve games over five hundred, and then they fell apart in August. And Derek Lowe has been hooked up to the rejuvenation machine for sure. Okay, fair enough. Uh, AL West, Texas in first place at twenty four and fifteen. Oakland hanging in at twenty and nineteen. For real? Not for real. Who? Texas or Oakland? Oakland. No, there's no way they're going to hang with Texas. Okay, but can they hang for a wild card? No. Okay. And the reason the reason why they can is because the East is too strong. Okay. 
National League East, I don't even want to talk about because uh, Atlanta's 24 and 15, Washington 23 and 15, Mets 21 and 17, Miami 20 and 18, Philly 19 and 19. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, okay. Central, St. Louis 22 and 16, really nothing to see here. No. Cincinnati's 19 and 18, Pittsburgh's 18 and 20. Thanks for playing. Houston is surprising 17 and 21. Yeah. Um, and Cincinnati did get off to a 4 and 9 start, and they're 19 and 18. So. Uh, and they're, they're, that's a pretty good ball club. Okay, NL or AL, yeah, NL West Dodgers twenty four and thirteen for real, not for real. They're for real. And Kemp is on the deal. They're for real. You know what? I think right now we should just cancel the season and make a Dodgers Rangers World Series. Well, that's, it it always works out that way. Let's just save everybody the hassle. Right. But they're for real. They're good. For real, they are plus thirty. In the run scored runs against differential. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's pretty good. Plus 30. Everybody in the American League East is plus, by the way. In the American League East, yes. Everybody's plus. Everybody yep. in the Central is minus. So. Yep. And uh, the Mets are minus 21 and four games over 500. Yeah. Now, what you have to take into account, though, is they gave up 18 runs in one game. Well, that's you know they were talking about this on the broadcast the other night. When they lose, they lose eight nothing or eighteen to nine or right. you know they seven lost one. Right. They lost one game eighteen to nine and another game eight nothing. Right. Okay, that's seventeen runs right there and two losses. Right. So, but anyway, all right. I wanted to get your take. I got it. I appreciate it. Are you I, happy with it? I I, I am. I'm in total agreement. Okay. I'm in total agreement. Excellent. Which is not a word. For the ready to unload fun load, the RTU fun load. So you can't say the ready to unload RTU fun load. No, that's uh, you know allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> Danger's my middle name. Uh, two things I want to do in the fun load. We can bring PJ back. He's still here. Let's get him back. He, he's been listening. I don't know if he can uh, participate. I don't know why that needed to be Italian either. <laughs> that, anyway. that wasn't even Italian. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He can participate. It's so funny. My uh, my brother-in-law and uh, his wife uh, met in Germany. They were both in uh, the Air Force. And they uh, they met, but they're both obviously from the States. She's actually from Long Island, believe it or not, Cal. Really? And he's from Texas. And they uh, they met in the Air Force and while they were stationed in Germany. And uh, they met and married. And I, I don't know how it came up, but I was doing a really bad, like, German dialect, like we have ways of making you talk. <laughs> and my uh, my brother in law's wife was like, "Yeah, the funny thing about Germany is no one talks like that. <laughs> like no one's that. no one's American is like that. No one's American dialect is, sounds anything like the movies. <laughs> my my German is always like a like a KGB or a, not a KGB like a uh, you know like a SS guy. It's right. always like. Uh, we have ways of making you talk. Give to me your left earlobe. 
we will now kill you. It's very, it's it's like sprockets. Yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it was. It's, it sort of falls into Dieter, but if Dieter was in the SS. <laughs> Hello, we have ways of making you talk. Um, so, two things on the fun load. First and foremost. Uh, the I, I wanted to talk about. I don't know if we've talked about it in the past on the show, and uh, who cares? But we've done like a hundred episodes, so who knows? Um, the NHL playoff beard. Okay, so the tradition of growing a beard during as, for as long as your team is alive in the NHL playoffs, which goes back like a long ways. Like you go look at those pictures of Denny Potvin holding up the cup in '81. He's got a big beard. Yeah. Um, and now it's you know they used to play the playoffs in like three weeks back then. Now the now the NHL playoffs last for like four months. <laughs> um, but have you seen a? It's a, can you think of a better superstition slash tradition that you like? And B, can we get this going in other sports for the playoffs? And C, some guys have sort of adopted like the. Thank you, PJ. Still producing. Always producing. A, the hell out of this show. A, B, P, always be producing. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross here. Um, nice. Nice. And one Cadillac. Um, <laughs> no, it, have you seen the sort of uh, the variation on this some of the Ranger players have, which is the mustache and the, you know, the goatee? It's not well, like the beard. Well, is that a variation, or is it that they can't grow it? Because you know, you, hockey players are very young people. It, it looks planned. Brian Boyle looks ridiculous. Brian Boyle's, I think, is planned. Yeah, I'll give you that. He looks like a like a like a drawing of a devil, <laughs> like from like nineteen sixty. Like, or if you watch Mad Men, you don't watch Mad Men, but the other night uh, they were they were pitching for Snowball uh, Cola. Uh-huh. And Don comes up with the, you know, Snowball's Chance in Hell. And it's a picture of the devil drinking the soft drink in hell or whatever. And that's what Brian Boyle looks like. (laughs) I love it. So give me another, what's another tradition? What do you like? Another tradition. Um, Slash slash superstition. Playoff tradition or or just in general? Just in general. That I like or I don't. I mean, there's there's the tradition of the no-hitter that's in process and... If there's a no-hitter going on, you don't talk to the guy throwing the no-hitter. Love it. There's actually there's two that go with that. You don't talk to the guy throwing the no-hitter. The other one is that you don't talk about it as a fan. Right. And let's go back to our theme of the night. Media members delight. <laughs> delight in telling you, oh, if I had that kind of power, I'd use it for good, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, knowing full well that the majority of fans know it's an unwritten rule. You don't talk about it. So what do they do? They talk about it. Yeah, we, we should preface this, because this drives me absolutely crazy with the Mets. The Mets have not had a no-hitter thrown in their history. Right. Okay? Eight, they're over 8,000. They just went to eight, game 8,006 today. Uh, they've never had a no-hitter thrown in their history. And their announcers, Howie Rose, and but mostly Gary Cohen, uh, Gary Cohen likes to get it out of the way. So, like, if they go to the fifth inning with a no-hitter on the line, it'd be like, and he's working on a no-hitter. You know what, Gary? I know you don't believe in that, but we all do. Right. Can, you, it, just, can you try it once? But at least he's a fan. 
But can you try it once? Can you try it? Humor me. Oh, that doesn't work. Well, you know what? The other way doesn't work either. Saying it hasn't worked either. So do me a favor. Go back to the old way and humor me once. And don't say anything about the freaking no-hitter. Okay? Try it. Anyway, uh, I do love that tradition. What do you like? Give me one. Give me one that you like. I love the... uh, you know, this we we did a whole episode on unwritten rules, or whatever. But this is different. This is like the superstitions. Like guys still jump over the white line when they're running out on the field, right? On the baseball field. Like I still do that. Like mm-hmm. j- like even when I got to take Wesley out on the field, uh, I got to take Wesley out to run the bases. Uh, you know, on like a Mets uh, dash or whatever, I stepped over the field. <laughs> I stepped over the line in right field. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Like I hopped, I I think I picked him up and moved him over the line, the foul line in right field. When we were walking, and then when we when we hit first base, I went over the line at first base. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. It's just it's a superstition that's there. But the the I wanted to bring the playoff beard into my own life. So a couple weeks ago, uh, I had a big project at work that I had a deadline on. Uh, and it, my, my deadline was like last Friday or whatever. So uh-huh. I grew I grew a beard for it. Hmm. And it was a, like a lot of pressure. Like I had to get a lot done. I had to stay late. I had to do this, do that. I grew the uh, the, the the I grew the project beard. I thought you were going to tell me there was a lot of pressure to grow the beard. No, no. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure. And then when I got it done, I shaved it the next nice. day. Nice. Yeah. You you have been known to grow the playoff beard for the Jets too. Yes. I have. And football football players do it too. Sanchez grew one a Sanchez couple years ago. One. Yep. So it's not just hockey players. Yep. But I, I love that tradition. That maybe the only one better in, in hockey. Hockey's full of those though. Like everybody here's, gets the cup for a day. Yeah, yeah, here's another one. When when there's a fight after the fight is over, love they it. all smack their sticks on the boards. Yep. Love it. Love that one. Yep. I, I absolutely love that one. And of course the octopus in, in Detroit. Yeah, that's just silly. That's well, that's their own. I don't like it. All right, all right, octopus. fair enough. It's freaking octopus. I say next next time the Isles are in the playoffs next year. Yeah, you and I rock the playoff beard. I've been I have been waiting <laughs> twenty years to grow a playoff beard. I've never had an opportunity. We are ready. We are definitely growing playoff beards next year when the Islanders are in the playoffs. I'm going to grow one in October when the Mets are in the playoffs. Uh, wow. I turned you around. I didn't like that. Look what I did. Okay, lastly, uh, Matthew Perry. I just read this, Cal, to star in a uh, in a sitcom as a sportscaster who has a sports talk show. Now, I don't want to give anything away, but he's acerbic. I was gonna say he's not. He wouldn't, by any chance, be sarcastic with sardonic wit, would he? I think he might be. Hmm. NBC adds voice, fall edition, and typecasting. <laughs> what is the name of this show now? Oh, go on. The name of the show is Go On. Go On. Yes. All right. Matthew Perry to star in Go On. He's all set to play a sportscaster in an upcoming pilot for NBC. Huh. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that. If you were going to do a uh, a sitcom about a sportscaster, okay, 
Um, would you cast Matt? Would Matthew Perry be on the short list of guys? He wouldn't have immediately come to mind. I have to tell you. Uh, attempting to okay. Wow. So uh, let me give you a little more about this sitcom. You ready? Please. Um, NBC's just released promo for Go On, which stars the actor as a sportscaster attempting to grieve the loss of a loved one with members of his mandatory group therapy sessions. Oh. Yeah, grieving the loss of a loved one always equals comedy. An offbeat comedy about a cocky sportscaster dealing with his issues. Cocky. Yeah. Love it. Is this this wouldn't happen to be Do you remember a couple of years ago they were talking about Colin Cowherd getting his own sitcom? No. You never heard that? No. Yeah, there was talk that he was going to get his own sitcom or there was going to be a sitcom based on his life. Uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder if this is it. Well, we know that Sports Night was based on Overman. Right. Because Overman will be the first one to tell you that. <laughs> oh, maybe this is – maybe it, that's not a Sorkin joint, is it? I think it might be. The the Matthew Perry one? They've worked together before. They, uh, oh, yeah. Studio 60. Which was good. Which was very good. But I think you, me, and PJ are the only three people who liked it. Yeah, I know. Sor Sorkin's, uh, Sorkin's Newsroom one is on HBO with uh, William Daniels. Okay. Oh, so that's not William not Daniels. Sorkin, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Jeff Daniels. William, William Daniels. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Not he just William made up Daniels. a whole actor. <laughs> that wasn't the voice of Kit? Yeah, well, no, William Daniels is the voice of Kit. Yeah. Michael. 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 Did you know that this show is for children? He's also the principal on Boy Meets World. Of course he is. <laughs> uh, Mike? <laughs> Can't be. Can't effing be. The truth is, Steve, Knight Rider is really a kid's show. <laughs> PJ, PJ knows what I'm quoting there. Maybe you do too, Cal. I don't know if I do. Did you read? Uh, did you ever read Bloom County? I read the comic strip, yes. yes that was now available in five hardcover Volumes, complete volumes. Father's that was a, uh, is it really? That was a Bloom, uh, Bloom County where, um, uh, uh, Binkley, Binkley was it Binky or Binkley? Binkley, Binkley. Thank you. Binkley uh, is in uh, the the narrative is one day Binkley is inspired to tell everybody the truth, and he goes to Opus and he's like, you know, the, what does he say? The truth is like penguins can't fly or something like that. Well, I think he tells Opus you look more like a puffin than a penguin. That's it. He, he looked more like a puffin than a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, and then he goes to uh, Steve Dallas. He goes, "The truth is, Steve, Knight Rider was really a kid show." And they have a and right. And Steve Dallas in the in the uh, cartoon, his bubble says, "Can't be, can't effing be." <laughs> I like that. And then of course they go to him and they say they all go to. And they say, the truth is, you look like a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Uh, and he does. Ah, Bloom County was very good. Probably a, uh, one of my favorite made-up bands of all time. With uh, Death Tongue. And then, <laughs> and then, of course, they became Billy and the Boingers. <laughs> you stink, but I love you. Uh, Cal, uh, real quick, uh, and PJ, but now that you're on board, anybody better than Matthew Perry to do this? To 
play a to play a, a sportscaster? Yeah. Do, do you buy Matthew? That's my question more than. Do you buy I Matthew buy Perry as a sportscaster? Wound up, ready to go, Matthew Perry. Not laid back, um, slightly mopey, Matthew Perry. Cal. Yeah, I can't think of anybody better than him right now. But there's got to be somebody. But can you buy him as a sportscaster? Depends. Let's just give it to Ruffalo because they give everything else to Ruffalo. Russell is not a TV guy. He's not doing TV. He stinks. He, by the, I, I totally agree. <laughs> he stinks on toast. Can we put him on the list of actors who look like they have a lipper in? I mean, why does why does he and Seth Rogen are from the uh, I have a skull pouch in my cheek school of acting? Overrated. No, I mean seriously though. Am I the? Why does it look like Mark Ruffalo only always has a, a pinch between his cheek and gum? Maybe he does. Maybe that uh, keeps him lubricated, soothes yeah. the nerves. That's the uh, <laughs> that's, that's direct from uh, the actor studio. Maybe it's the skull method. <laughs> Didn't Bogart do that? It's correct. Bogie did that. That's right. No, they they. I was watching uh, Knocked Up the other day, and I'm like, why does why does Seth Rogen have a lipper in for this whole movie? You gotta you gotta do more with your day. My he's God. got it. He's got a what? He's got to. He's got to do what now? He's got to do more with his day. Every time I talk to him, it's like, oh, I was watching this movie from 1999. Oh, really? Who's that? Mark Ruffalo? No, Steve. <laughs> oh, I I thought. I don't care what Ruffalo does with his day. He needs to do a little bit more with his day too. Ooh, How about more? Jo- How about Joel McHale? Would you Would you buy Joel McHale a little bit more? Is he too snarky? Absolutely not. Okay. I Absolutely. Can't... You don't buy him or. I can't ever. Uh, I don't buy him. Period. But I can't pick him. I can't picture him being into sports. I'm trying to find a sports. Well, he played football. Joel McHale did. Yeah, he's like he's like six four. He played football where? College. He played. Did he really? Wow, I stand corrected then. Yeah, he did. I totally buy Joel McHale. <laughs> what about what about anybody from Scrubs? Uh, Braff or um... oh Braff, I don't buy for a second. I buy Donald Glover. Not Donald, Donald Glover. Donald Faison. Donald Faison. <laughs> Donald Glover. We're really bad on the uh, on the names today. I, I buy Dakota Fanning. I mean uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson. I mean uh, Zach Braff. Uh, Donald Sutherland. Even. <laughs> I think that's the sixth time we've mistakenly brought Donald Glover into the equation. By the way, too. <laughs> like a couple weeks ago, I didn't know who he was. He's just he's good. I he's very he, good. When he made the guest appearance on uh, 30 Rock, I had no idea who he was. I think Donald Glover – We owe, I think we owe Donald Glover an apology, like all of us. I'm, uh, sorry, I, I'm, I'm desperately trying to think of sitcom actors, and it's failing miserably here. Yeah. You know what, oh. though? I think, I think what Pete – what? It probably shouldn't go to a sitcom actor. Exactly. I think Would, what PJ said was spot on. Like, if he's, like, fired up – how about Matthew Bradley Perry. Whitford? He's too no, he's too geeky. Mm. How about Rob Lowe? Love he's Rob. too old. He was young blood though. He was, but he's too old now. He's Be too a old. He's, master? he's the same old as what is he gonna be in his twenties? No, Rob Lowe is not in his twenties. No, but I'm saying, why is why is he too old to play a sportscaster? How old do you think Matthew Perry is? Twenty five? Uh, no. He's older than Matthew Perry, though. 
Yes. But he doesn't look it. He looks fantastic. So you need someone. You you want someone athletic in this role, don't you? You want someone athletic looking. No, I don't necessarily want an ex-jock. I just want somebody that I can believe is into sports. Craig Kilborn. Go full oh. circle with it. Obviously. Right. He would be the obvious choice, except he can't how, act. How incredibly meta would that be, though? Come on. <laughs> I don't know about incredibly meta. It'd be meta. It'd be full-on meta. Would it be meta world peace, though? I don't know you do. <laughs> well, then, then that's the end of the show. Oh, wait, that's it. Now, hold on. That's the intro music. <laughs> We're going to start it all over again. <laughs> that's the outro music. Okay, we've gone overtime. We are in RCU overtime. So let's yeah, play a hockey. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. PJ, final unload. Uh, yeah, watch for all my shows. Uh, poop show, lady show, uh, Russian mob show, and beer show. Okay. All right. Uh, you should put the poop show and the beer show and the Russian mob show together. Then we'd have something. Hey, now. Cal, final unload. Hey, thank you to the Mets. It's finally nice to see some adults running the show over there. Thank you. Amen. And uh, my final unload is... Uh, uh, also, uh, we lost uh, Donna Summer today. As a kid, I had uh, on the radio, for some inexplicable reason, I had that cassette tape. I think I won it at a church carnival. And uh, on the radio. Whoa, whoa. He said it really loud. He said it on the air. On the radio. Rest in peace, Donna Summer. All right. <laughs> Bet you guys did not see that coming. Cal, you're shaking your head as if you did see that coming. <laughs> Trying to right, something coming. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with an all-new Ready to Unload, episode 3.20. In the meantime, for Brian Calvi and PJ, catch Hope Steve San Pietro, thanks for listening to the podcast. See ya.